0: So, uh, my name is Hannah Chandler, for any of you who don't know me. A little bit about myself. I've been married to my husband, Chuck, for, it'll be seven years in March. We have two children. My daughter, Jordan, is five, and my son, Finn, is two. And I have been blessed to serve with the women's ministry here for about nine years. And um, I'm really blessed and humbled and a little bit nervous to share with you tonight. Uh, I was talking with my daughter today, and I said, "Jordy, you have to promise me you're going to pray for me tonight. And she said, I will. I said, because Mommy's a little bit nervous. And she looked at me, and she's like, you are? (laughs) I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to be speaking in front of all these ladies. And she looks at me, and she says, you know, I've been on the stage a couple times, and I was pretty brave. So she wrote me this note and told me I needed to bring it with me. She said, I was up on stage just like you. I love you. Love, Jordan. <laughs> so I kept my promise. Um, we, for the past four weeks, as Kristen has said, um, we've been studying verses about looking to Jesus. And we need to right now. The Lord knew we needed to be doing that. Um, and tonight we're going to end the five-week study in Second Peter chapter 3 verses 12 through 14. You can turn there with me, and I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you for this night. Lord, you knew each person that would be here, and you knew, um, Lord, just this time in history. Thank you that you see every woman in this room, and you love her, and I pray that you would give each of us our portion. I pray that you would Speak through me, Lord, that I wouldn't get in the way of what you want to do. Lord, so we just pray that your Holy Spirit would minister tonight with truth and clarity. Lord, we love you, and we pray in your name. Amen. So Second Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 10 through 14 to back up a little bit. Verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Um, So as I was (laughs) looking at this, I got a little bit of a eschatology lesson. So I I was looking at verse 10, and it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which sounds like the rapture, right? But then it says, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up, which doesn't sound like the rapture. So I was, I called my dad, and I said, look, I need help. Mom gave me a tough section here, so... Um the day of the Lord and the, the day of God in verse twelve is not talking about an actual literal twenty-four hour period. It is a time frame, um, which is interesting if you look in verse eight. Peter supports that because he says with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So the day of the Lord begins with a rapture goes through the tribulation, the millennial reign to the white throne judgment. so it's that whole time period that's the day of the Lord because when the rapture happens that's when God steps in and takes over. that's things are then in his time frame, his day. So little eschatology lesson there. Um, so in verses twelve through fourteen, it says, look, Or be looking three times. And the word look in these verses means to await eagerly, to be expectant. There should be an eagerness to this for us. And um, verse 12, again, the day of the Lord, the rapture, um, the coming of the day of God, that's a promise, it's a fact we've been given here. And Peter tells us we should be eagerly awaiting that day because that day is coming. And I think we all kind of feel that a little more than we probably did a year ago. Um, so, you know, I was thinking, am I, are we looking for the coming of Jesus? Are we looking at the world? Are we looking at the things that are falling apart around us and the turmoil and the anger and the hatred? Are we looking at those things or... Are we looking at Jesus? Are we looking for his return? Where is our focus? Because if we focus on Jesus, those things will fade away. The anxieties and the fears will fade away when you're looking at him. Because that's what he's called us to do. That's what he's wanting us to do. And these verses calling us, you know, my daughters, look at me. Don't look at those things. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Look at me. This is a wake-up call for us. You know, I think this whole year kind of has been, at least for me, there's a lot of noise in the world, but all of the things in this world are going to dissolve. They're going to be burned out. That's what we're told in this passage. And all that's going to remain is Christ. All that's going to remain is what we did for him and that we looked to him and that we lived for him. So let go of the world. Let go of those things tonight and fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Focus on him. And if you don't know Jesus tonight, look to him. Be saved. And he'll welcome you into his family. Do that tonight. Um, So that's verse 12, that looking for Jesus, for his coming And then verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look. We're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And 1 Peter 2.11 tells us that we as believers are strangers and pilgrims in this earth. This is not our home. This is not the earth that we're waiting for, that new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells, literally where righteousness makes its home. There's not going to be the injustice and the violence and the things that we see in this world. It's going to be a world of righteousness dwelling. And um, Hebrews 11.10 tells us, Even Abraham waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And if he was looking, how much more (laughs) should we be looking? We are so much closer. Um, We look for a new heavens and a new earth. And, you know, the Bible tells us that it's according to his promise in verse 13. And we're also told in Scripture that God is the God who cannot lie. that We can bank on his promises. This is something that we're guaranteed. He's coming for us. He has a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So we're looking for the coming of Jesus. We're looking for that new home. And then in verse 14, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. So, if we're truly eagerly awaiting Jesus' return and that promise of our new home, our lives will naturally reflect that. The thing that you're most focused on in life is usually what you're living for. It affects your decisions, the way you think, the way you act. It affects your conversations with other people. It affects the things that you post on social media. Um, so again, Peter says in verse eleven: "Even therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness?" So the knowing these things, now that we have this knowledge, these things are going to happen. What do we do with it? We have a responsibility now. We know the Lord is coming. We know there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, and we should reflect that in our lives, and holy conduct and godliness, to be found by him in peace among one another and to be without spot and blameless because of the blood of Christ, not because of our works, because we know that doesn't It's impossible to be without spot and blameless because of our works. Um, You know, if Jesus really is our focus and we're eagerly awaiting his return, we'll be motivated by his love, by his grace, by the Holy Spirit to live that way. It's not something that we can do in our flesh. You know, if you try to, if you struggle with, I don't know, contention. You get in arguments with people a lot. Like, if you try and focus on, I don't want to be contentious. Like, it's not going to work. You know, you need to focus on Jesus, and then he works that out of you. You have to go to him. We can't do it on our own. Um, and that's part of that looking to him that purifies us. Um, 1 John 3, 3 says, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We want to be living in such a way that we're not ashamed when he comes back. We don't want to have regrets. And I can't help but think lately, Lord, I don't think I have that much time left in this world before you come, and I want to live for you. I want to tell my neighbors and the people around me that don't know you about this hope that I have. And we need, we need to be doing that. That's what we're called to do. Um, in verse 12, even looking for and hastening, the coming of the day of the Lord. That hastening is evangelism. It's prayer. The Lord told us, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So we can even be a part of the Lord's coming, hastening that by sharing with the people around us um, and if there's something the Lord has his finger on in your life right now That you know you need to deal with Let him deal with it tonight Don't waste the time that we have left You know, we, we need to be pure and spotless Like, like a bride on her wedding day You know, no one's going to walk down the aisle with a big stain on their dress <laughs> Um And we want to be presented faultless before him without regrets. I've heard someone say before, look to him until you're like him. And that's really what we have to do. It's simple. We overthink things. But we need to look to Jesus. We need to be in his word. We need to be in prayer. And the more we do that and the less we look at all of the things around us, the more we will have peace and the more we will be without spot and blameless. It will naturally happen in our lives. We can't live for him unless we're looking at him. We look to him to be saved. We look to him to shepherd us and guide us in our daily lives through this pilgrimage, and we look for his return. We look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. You know, this past year has been hard for many of us, probably for most of us. And I know for me, the Lord has worked a lot of things out of my heart and out of my life, things that you don't even know are there. And I'm thankful for that. I wouldn't change anything. Um, we're going to watch the heaven film in a few minutes. And a lot of the testimonies in there are people who went through some really hard things. But their faith and their vision of Christ is something that probably all of us would end up envying. And I'm sure none of them would say they would change those scenarios in their lives that gave them that pure, clear vision of Christ. You know, trials do that. And the Lord is kind. He's a good father who chastens his children because he loves us. So, ladies, let's not waste the time that we've been given by focusing on the things in the world, but let's redeem the time by focusing on him and allowing us to pure allowing him to purify us, to be his hands and his feet, because this world is burned out from looking at everything but him. And they need hope. You know, I I asked Rob and Heidi if they would play that hymn tonight. I was thinking about that as I was studying this, just the looking to Jesus, focusing on him and letting the other things fade away. And it's turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So I started to think, I wonder what the story is behind this. That hymn was written by a woman named Helen Howarth Lemmel, but her inspiration came from a track that she read entitled Focused by Lilius Trotter. Lilius was a woman who chose to let go of the glory of this world for the glory that she would receive in heaven to give glory to God, not to herself. She was born in London in 1853, and she was a very gifted artist, so much so that the Foremost art critic of that day, his name was John Ruskin, said that if she was to fully give herself to art, that she would be the greatest living painter and do things that would be immortal. But Lilius was conflicted, and she came to the conclusion saying this, "'I see clear as daylight now. I cannot give myself to painting in the way he means and continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.' She felt the Lord burden her heart for northern Africa. And she ended up being a missionary there for 40 years in Algeria. She established 13 mission stations and had about 30 missionaries working under her. And um, in what I was reading, it said, if you go to the art museums now, you'll see the paintings of the different artists who were trained under John Ruskin but they say that Lilius was more talented, but the only way to see her artwork is upon request because they keep it in a back room because that's not what she gave her life to. And um, I'm I'm just going to close real quick by reading you a little portion from that track that she wrote that inspired the hymn. She says, What does this focusing mean? Study the matter and you will see that it means two things. Gathering in all that can be gathered and letting the rest drop. The working of any lens, microscope, telescope, camera, will show you this. The lens of your own eye in the room where you were sitting as clearly as any other. Look at the window bars and beyond is only a shadow. Look through at the distance and it is the bars that turn into ghosts. Ghosts. You have to choose which you will fix your gaze upon and let the other go. How do we bring things to a focus in the world of optics? Not by looking at the things to be dropped, but by looking at the one point that is to be brought out. Turn full your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at him, and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. And the divine a trait by which God's saints are made, even in this 20th century, will lay hold of you. For he is worthy to have all there is to be had in the heart that he has died to win. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that you gave us your word and that you call us to fix our eyes on you. You call us to look to you, to things that are eternal. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to have that perspective. Lord, we need your spirit and your grace even to do that, Lord, to sustain that in a world where we're so distracted by so many things, Lord, and so many things are so much louder than you. Lord, teach us to be still. Teach us to hear your voice. Lord, and to quiet all the other ones. And I just pray now, Lord, as we watch this film that you administer to our hearts, Lord, that you would just do the work you desire to do in each one of us tonight. Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we pray in your name. Amen.